As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. This is Talk of the Devils, the Athletics podcast dedicated to Manchester United. I'm Ian Irving. We're recording shortly after Manchester United finished their home Premier League campaign with a 3-0 win over Brentford. It's a bit late to find form now, lads. Anyway, we're going to talk about it. Um, (laughs) Joining us from inside Old Trafford is Laurie Whitwell and also, uh, like me at home, is Andy Mitten over in Spain as well. Laurie, you were there. Um, I said it's a bit late to find form, but at least it sent Manchester United fans mostly home with a smile of sorts at the end of what's been a pretty disappointing campaign at Old Trafford. Well, yeah, I mean, usually the last game at home in a season is, you know, sunshine, afternoon maybe, um, but it's currently absolutely chucking it down, uh, pitch black at night at Old Trafford. But yeah, there was obviously lots of talk of protest and, and there was on 73 minutes, the banners, um, the flares, green and gold in the uh, singing section. Um, not loads of people to be honest walking out um, I think the result and performance kind of affected that maybe and then at the end the lack of appreciation actually was pretty well received by the players and the fans you know, there was appreciation applauded. yeah there was applause um, you know you might think that that's crazy um, that actually they should be heckled and kind of told how bad they've been this season but I think everyone was sort of thinking well you've, you've given us a win here let's kind of try and sign off in a positive way um, it was a bit weird. Scott McTominay, I think, forgot they were doing it and Fred and Varane the same and he, he then came sprinting back to join in. Uh, Fred and Varane just sort of stayed by the tunnel. Uh, Harry Maguire went down from the director's box to get involved. So, yeah, a kind of sort of modest finish. There wasn't any kind of great animosity when there was this kind of question mark over when the, whether the lack of appreciation would actually be um, you know, warranted or, or, or welcomed by United fans, um, which I, I kind of don't know how that makes you feel I mean I suppose ultimately people are just human aren't they and that was their natural emotion Um, but I think they'll certainly want better than this performance next season Yeah in terms of the protests Andy I I guess it didn't help that Manchester United were three goals ahead when it came to the the 73rd minute in terms of gaining traction for people walking out and this is a this is an issue that that United fans have faced before when they've tried to stage protests Often it depends on what's happening on the pitch at that given moment. If Brentford had been 3-0 up, it might have been a different story, I suppose. Yes, it would have been. And I think thousands would have left. And we've seen that 
when Manchester United have been been beaten at home in certain matches where you've seen thousands of, of empty seats. Ironically, it was one of Manchester United's best performances of the season tonight against a pretty poor Brentford side. I thought Brentford were better, better pre-season than they were at the end of the season. But Brentford have been in form. United had a lot of um, notable performances tonight. I thought Ronaldo was excellent. I thought Juan Mata was excellent. I'm sure we'll talk about some of them. But also the sense of occasion. Maybe some people felt that they wanted to stay at the end to say thank you to Juan Mata or to some of the players who were leaving. Maybe someone wanted to say goodbye to Phil Jones. Maybe there's even one person who thought, I want to say a personal goodbye to Edinson Cavani. I'm just amazed I've actually seen him. <laughs> Um, Nemanja Matic, there was a warm reception for him when he, when he went off the pitch. I think there's a strong strength of feeling there um, from fans against the Glazers. I think that's been pretty consistent. But then there is a reality as well, and I think we saw that reality uh, tonight against Brentford. A lot of United fans don't really care who own the club. I do. My friends do. A lot just aren't bothered. And that's been pretty consistent since... 2005 we get the waves of the protest the waves of disgruntlement and there's been a, a recent thrust lots of young United fans meeting up in the toll gate walking towards Old Trafford standing in the Stratford end banners last week I think it's had quite a high level of media coverage as well uh, I watched the game on, on, on television because I've got to cover games abroad this week and I think Sky covered it in a fair way journalistically they honed in on it, they gave it coverage and I don't think that, I think the reportage was accurate from the neutral observer, it didn't look like a lot of people left the ground. I think the one thing to say on all the protests is certainly the last couple of home games, there's been a real um, volume to the anti-Glazer protest, you know, the chants inside the stadium. So after each goal, you know, even as people are still celebrating that opening goal, they're talking about, we want Glazers out. And when you've got Richard Arnold in the stands, when you've got John Murtagh in the stands, and they're looking around seeing this, stand up if you hate Glazers, you know, it's, it's pretty you know, provocative and, and, and serious stuff and, and widespread. That's it's been suppose, very audible as well, hasn't it, yeah. in the last couple of matches? And that's the other thing to point out. It's not just pockets of people, is it? At certain points, there's been the entire stadium on the feet applauding, hasn't there? Absolutely. And I, I think that just keeps it in their minds then. It's so, so as long as... It doesn't necessarily have to be a mass exodus and, and oh, there's loads of empty seats and, you know, isn't this shocking? I think that kind of consistent um, hum, I suppose, to the, the kind of atmosphere around Old Trafford just makes, you know, the people with the decision-making capabilities think about this as a, as a real, genuine, ongoing thing. OK, let's talk about the action on the pitch then. Um... We're talking about the team turning up in the final home match of the season. Well, one man who seems to have turned up in all the home matches of late, and indeed consistently across the year, has been Cristiano Ronaldo. Another stat to blow your minds. 168 different teams he's now scored against during his career <laughs> at domestic and international level. 24 goals for the season, which actually makes it his third best scoring season for Manchester United as well, of course, with a couple of <laughs> matches left. Um Flicks, I think he'd done five back heels by the half-hour mark. Running, effort, uh, leading the line, scoring goals, having goals disallowed, wagging his finger at assistant referees. He did everything, Laurie, didn't he? I mean, he, he is really a beacon 
of this Manchester United side now. Truly, I, I don't think there's any question that his performances have led the way for this team. And it's an emphatic answer to any question marks, it seems, about whether Eric Ten Hag would want him around, isn't it? That is the way you flip it forward to and you think, well, next season, surely... You know, there's, I suppose there's a small caveat if he stays, but the, the, you know the feeling is that he, he will stay. Um, but that kind of performance, surely any manager can work with that. And Eric Ten Hag particularly shown his adaptability. You know, he's had Sebastian Haller up front for Ajax this season, who you would perhaps say isn't the most uh, high pressing forward. Um, you know, he's, he's a bit of a different kind of style to what he'd had previously. Certainly with the false nine system that did so well in the Champions League run 2019. Um, but yeah, Ronaldo again played like a man possessed. It's, it's, it, he's had quite a few of these now, really, where he's, he's turned it on and it's been all action all over the pitch, not just in the penalty box. Um, I mean, some of his passes actually, you know, that pass to Edison Cavani, um, the sight for that to, to do it and then execute it, and, and Cavani kind of got his feet in a muddle. But um, yeah, you, you do see that actually that's somebody that isn't happy that this is a, an end of season with a kind of testimonial feel to it where there's nothing really riding on it. He's sort of still there, whether it's for personal glory in terms of wanting to somehow maybe get the golden boot. I think he was he four off Mohamed Salah. You know, it's not beyond the realms of possibility, I suppose. <laughs> Got a couple of hat-tricks, hasn't he, this season? Um, or, or whether it's just because, you know, that's the winner in him in terms of a team ethic. Um, there was a couple of moments where passes into him uh, there was one from Scott McTominay was behind him uh, as he was running into the box and then afterwards he's like sort of pointing where he should have had it and, and he was he's right in that sense that's where he should have had the ball played to him um, but then others where he, he hit it out to Diogo Dalot with a sort of left foot and it went straight out and he kind of put his hand up and apologised so it, it was you know it's, it's give and take from him you know he, he demands certainly high uh, you know, standards from everybody at the club and that's where I think the Issues have sometimes come in terms of how he's expressed that to people um, around the place, um, but clearly he's got you know immense quality, and if you can kind of get him functioning in a team, surely he's an asset to Manchester United. Yeah, Andy, you alluded to it before. There was a few farewells tonight. Certainly, I mean, Nemanja Matic obviously has announced that he's leaving, and he left the field to hugs and high fives all round from absolutely everyone. It seemed down by the pitch side. I was gutted I wasn't there. I thought I might have got a high five at some point. He shook everyone's <laughs> hand, didn't he? Um, Gary Neville called it a Legends charity game uh, when the subs were being made because you had one matter also going off who seemed like he was bidding Old Trafford farewell. Edison Cavani coming on, who of course is out of contract. Maybe question marks over Phil Jones, like you said before as well. But surely that's not Ronaldo's last appearance for United at Old Trafford, is it? I'd be very surprised if it was. Neville's point about the Legends game... I had an air of truth about it. There is actually a Legends game against Liverpool in a couple of weeks with all the money going to charity. So we should give a give that a plug now that you, you've mentioned it. Um, there was definitely a feeling of um, that, that end of season. I, I thought it would have been a lot flatter. I had my lads outside the ground selling United We Stand and they said it was like zombie-like in the atmosphere. A couple of people walked past um, and then some protesters as well holding flares. But... It's flat. You cannot pretend otherwise. I've been at all, all of the matches. It's really, really flat. And you look across the road and you see where City and Liverpool are with Ronaldo. If you ask me my prediction now, I think he'll be at Manchester United next season. But I'm not the one making that decision. I think I, I say that because this season has been a success for him, if not the team. He's finishing this season strongly. He looks massively motivated. And I don't think anyone else could afford him and those who could probably wouldn't want him 
at the age he's at. So I think it's far too strong to say United are lumbered with him because it's a great player to be lumbered with and he's still a great player. It would be hilarious if he finished top scorer in the league this season and that, that could happen. And I feel, can we just have one thing from this season as Manchester United fans? <laughs> not going to win a cup, not going to get in the, in the top four. Just give us something to cling on to and that might be the Youth Cup with that one. I was going to say, I thought it already was the FA Youth Cup to be fair. And it, it probably is. Now with the other players, they deserve their reception at the end but... I think it's the right decision that they all leave. Juan Mata is still a very good football player, but it's right for him to go. I know he's been frustrated. I know he's been training well. He's been he deserved that start tonight. He's been doing well when he's been coming on. Um, Phil Jones has not played enough, not just this season but in recent seasons because of his injuries. I'd love to see him playing football and enjoying his football again, but it's not going to happen at Manchester United. Cavani's the one that's really disappointed me. Because a year ago, he finished the season so strongly. And I won't go too far, as far as to say that um, he's done it on purpose this year. But I know there's been significant frustration inside Carrington about him this season. And from some of the other players as well. I'm not going to call him unprofessional because I've got no evidence to say that he's missing games on purpose. But I think he's been a real disappointment. He's, he's played far, far... A uh, few few matches. Nemanja Matic, I think, is a, a great guy. Um, been lucky enough, like we all have, to interview him lots of times. He's had a really good career. I loved it giving, seeing him give that Arsenal fan a bit of stick a few weeks ago, saying how many league titles he'd won at Chelsea. He's had, he's had a top career. Just a shame that he's not won anything at, at Manchester United. And that shame and that sadness is still the main feeling for me at the end of, the, of this season. But I enjoyed watching United beat Brentford. I thought the move which led to the disallowed goal down the left-hand side involving um, Matter and was fantastic. Just a shame that it was uh, it the, was the flick from Ronaldo for Matter's volley as well. If that had gone in, it'd be one of the goals of the season, wouldn't it, for United? He seemed, he seemed in a personal competition, didn't he, to to produce a backflip, a backflip. A back heel, <laughs> better than the last each time he did it. If, if he starts doing backflips at Old Trafford, then we really are in for a good time, aren't we? Just on one matter, though, uh, it can't be me that's feeling just feeling this. Like He played really well, particularly in that first half tonight. Does it not make a mockery of the fact that that was his first start of the season in the Premier League when he can produce even 45 minutes like that, Andy? Yeah, he's certainly been frustrated about his own situation in recent weeks. He felt, and I believe him, that he's been training really well. And not every player has been training really well. And there hasn't been enough unity at the training ground. And when he's been coming on, he's been doing really well. So that brings me back to the point that he deserved that start. Should he have had more starts? Talking now after that game when he played so well, we say yes, yes, yes. But there's been games where he's had a really limited impact. But on balance, I think, yeah, he should have played more uh, this season. But then at the start of the season, when we would have looked at all the attacking players available to United, I don't think he would have been anyone's idealised eleven. Gradually, those players have fallen apart and fallen by the wayside for various reasons. And he's had opportunities and... I'm just happy for him because he's a thoroughly decent person. He really is. He had a good ending at Old Trafford. 
it's a shame he never won the league title here. That was his big ambition. That was what David De Gea always said to him. But I think he can play at a really good level. Not not top four level, I don't think, in England. And enjoy his football for years to come. Well, he certainly helped Manchester United to the victory tonight. And of course, it's a victory that keeps the club on course to at best equal their worst ever tally in a Premier League season <laughs> if they can get victories at both ends of the A23 in the final two matches. I think it's the A23, isn't it? It's the A23 derby, isn't it, between Brighton and Crystal Palace, which are the two matches left for Manchester United. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Okay, in the run-up to this game then, there's of course been a lot of news on all the staff shuffling off the pitch at Manchester United. Laurie, you've been across a lot of this for The Athletic. I'm sure everyone has seen your pieces. If not, go and have a look at the very latest on there at the moment. And Matt Judge, the latest name to depart. What's the story behind this, Laurie? Yeah, it's a story broken by David Ornstein on Friday, Good Friday, um, which was um, really good timing for me because I was out... Um, uh, in Manchester uh, with a university friend that I've not seen for a while uh, and this story breaks. How much did you drink to think that it was Good Friday? Is it not Good Friday? Or do I need to start this again? Was it not? You can call it a Good what, Friday if what you like. About, I'm, I'm pretty sure about. Good Friday's at Easter. This is made bank Thanks, holiday, mate. mate. Sorry, can I Carry start on, again? carry on. No. no, carry on. This is good. <laughs> this is real world. No chance of this making the edit. Wrong, sir. Wrong. <laughs> I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. <laughs> yeah, really good story broken by David Ornstein on Friday. Um, and, I mean, listen, he's got excellent contact, David. And it was one that I don't think that many people knew about, you know, even uh, with in the industry, you know, at Old Trafford. So, uh, top story. Um, and it's one that I think has been brewing for a while, you know, after speaking to people over the weekend, um, figuring out that actually once Edward would have departed, or at least even when he'd said he was going to step aside and also with John Murch and Darren Fletcher taking on more responsibility. Matt Judge's role changed from being somebody that he had direct contact with in terms of the decision makers, being Ed Woodward, to then reporting into John Murch and then also with Ed Woodward leaving. Um, I think the kind of direction that Matt Judge uh, worked with in terms of negotiations um, wasn't quite as, as clean cut as he's had been used to. Um, and that being said, you know, you can point a lot of fingers at the way that United did negotiations for transfers, 
uh, various other contract renewals. Uh, and I think now is a good time for him to depart. Um, I think it's an interesting one in terms of what this means for the coming weeks and months. You know, it, we're told that I don't think there's going to be a replacement like for like anyway. And maybe in modern football that isn't necessary, but at the same time, there's still conversations ongoing for assistance with Eric Ten Hag and then, you know, a big summer uh, transfer window ahead. So it'd be interesting to see how that shapes out. John Murtagh, we think, will take on more responsibility in that role, but it's, it's new to him. So it's not a, a clean-cut case of brilliant, here we go. It's all, you know, um, all glorious. So there's, there's questions to be sort of uh, figured out there for sure. But I think a lot of fans certainly were, you know, rejoicing at the news. You know, Matt Judge's role had been under the spotlight since... Louis van Gaal pointed him out as Ed Woodward's right-hand man and kind of said, I thought we'd be able to get players, no problem, it's Manchester United, the biggest club in the world. And time and again, he felt that they weren't able to do that. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer had similar problems. Jose Mourinho certainly had similar problems. Uh, and we list those in the piece that's on the Athletic right now. So I think for a lot of people, it's a, a move that is not before time anyway. I was surprised when I heard the news on Friday, if only because as recently as last Tuesday, Agents were being directed to Matthew Judge at Manchester United. I did say uh, two or three months ago that there will be significant changes at Manchester United. That's definitely happening. There will be more changes, outgoings and incomings as well. But when I heard the news on Friday, I, I, I was surprised by that. Um, I think, as Laurie says, he was very closely linked with, with Ed Woodward. Um, John Murtagh's got a lot of responsibility. He's making a lot of decisions, John Murtagh, at the moment. And I think a lot of fans will, will back the sentiment behind them. I think fans like to see changes. Fans have, with good reason, become extremely frustrated with the, the one area which they can judge, which is results on the pitch. Yeah, in terms of Matt Judge as well, Laurie, um, like you said before, he was almost intertwined with Ed Woodward. I think you said he... He was his right-hand man. Some people had actually described him as his actual right hand, I think, wasn't it? Louis van Gaal that said that, or sort of words to that effect anyway. Um, and a, a detail in that piece as well is about this idea that, that Matt Judge and Ed Woodward together came up with the idea that keeping players on contracts was protecting value and protecting assets and things like that. I mean, how much will his legacy be remembered for, for bad reasons as well as some of the, the good things that he's done? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that will be what fans remember you know this idea that players can get new contracts just because that means their value is uh, appreciated on the spreadsheet um is it, there's a gap there isn't there in terms of the financial uh, motivation to doing something and the football imperative so you might be keeping a player around the squad because it's an asset on the you know the books whereas actually in reality on the training pitch it's not a good thing to have him around the place it's better to cut your losses and, and sell him or, or let him go on a free so that's where there's a gap and, and, and really somebody who's making these negotiations in football should be able to attach a football value to them, which is why if John Murtagh is the one that then takes on this responsibility and over the last year, that's certainly been uh, increasingly the case, um, you know, the idea would be that he can attach a football value to, say, if an agent comes in and says my player's worth £100,000 a week or this player's worth £50 million from another sporting director, whereas Matt Judge would never say he was a football expert, he would always defer to other people within the club, the manager, for example, to say it's their decision, it's not mine. So you've got a gap there from you know, somebody who's the front-facing version of the, of the club to the agents. I mean, it, it, he was the guy that agents went to. So that's why my initial response to it was a bit of, you know, sort of 
not concern as such, but kind of just a question mark, well, what happens now then? As Andy says, it was as recently as last week, that's where people have been directed. Um, but that being said, it's not. I don't think it's a bad thing that he is going because it means that people with football experience should be getting their hands on this kind of stuff. Yeah, and I suppose the other thing to point out, Laurie, as well, like the article says, he's got a three-month notice period to work. Um, there's a sense that his last big act will be negotiating the contract for Eric Ten Hag to take over at Manchester United. But is there still some work for him to do in this interim period? Is that why people are still being directed towards him? Well, I suppose primarily it was because United didn't necessarily want this news to come out right now, I guess. You know, um, you know that was primarily the case. Um, and then, yeah, also, I mean, you know, we're told that he's involved with the talks over Mitchell van der Gaag, who's one of the assistants that Eric Ten Hag would like at the club. So you'd expect him to kind of wrap that up. Um, but yeah, I suppose it, it just depends... I suppose, what John Murtagh wants to get involved with, I think. Um, and, and one interesting thing that came out of the sort of investigation over the weekend into just exactly the, the nuance of this relationship between Matt Judge and Edward Wood and, and Richard Arnold, who, you know, these are three guys that are Bristol University alumni. It's, it's, it's kind of the accusations of cronyism were, 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 were levelled at this kind of, you know, sort of three guys, you know, at the very top of Manchester United. It's actually really the case that Richard Arnold isn't as close to... Edward Wood and Matt Judge as they are to each other so they would be working in London with offices literally you know next to each other at the Green Park overlooking Green Park in Mayfair uh, whereas Richard Arnold's based at Old Trafford so and his his sort of you know previous working has been commercial so it's not the case that they've sort of all been in this together and I think Richard Arnold is asking questions and is wanting to sort of find out what could be uh, done better at the club so it's, it's an interesting dynamic really to kind of explore and and yeah, I mean, we'll see, as Andy says, lots of changes happening right now, incomings and outgoings. I think more will be on the way. I thought it was a really good piece in The Athletic. I think it's what The Athletic does really well. It's it's all about the detail. And I think people will read that and learn a lot about the internal um, structures of Manchester United, which are changing all the time, as, as we've said. Um, Richard Arnold wants to make his own mark. I think it's a plus that... He is at Old Trafford. He's based at Old Trafford. Uh, Edward Wood, I remember writing something quite early on in his time at United and the club got onto me and said, um, no, no, he comes up to Old Trafford. He's at Old Trafford all the time. And I think in his last few years, he was at the Mayfair office in London. And when I interviewed him, I said, why this office in Mayfair? Why are you here? And his point was uh, to attract sponsors, it was far easier to get people into London than it was into Manchester. My point is that Manchester United are based in a city called Manchester and it's good if the leading executive is based at Old Trafford uh, for many, many ways. Um, for people to see him there and R Richard is. So he, he's, he, he's been at the club for a while. He's put a lot of time in in terms of, you know, just doing stuff that you can do if you're in Manchester, like go to the former players do, which Laurie and I went to a couple of years ago, a couple of weeks ago. You, you see people there, you just get a feeling for what Manchester United is. You, you just do. You get little anecdotes. People come up to you and you learn from these people. And I think that's really important at a club like United and at any football club. And he's got a very tough job and Eric Ten Hag's got a very tough job as well. Everyone's got a tough job at the moment because it's been a failing football club. But clinical decisions are being made and hopefully they will lead to improvement 
uh, at Manchester United. That's what everybody hopes. The people making the decision, the fans, everyone hopes that there's going to be an improvement. Yeah, we can all agree with that, no doubt at all. If you want to know more, go and have a look at The Athletic. Lots more details on there. There's also some great tributes this week as well uh, to the football agent Mino Raiola, who sadly died this week. An absolutely remarkable character. I think we can all reflect on that. Perhaps the most influential and indeed controversial football agent of his generation, who seemed to have quite an influence on Manchester United in recent years, and particularly, of course, that summer of 2016. So, yeah, some lovely tributes to him on The Athletic 2. Go and have a look at those as well. Well, if one interesting story from off the pitch for Manchester United wasn't enough on The Athletic this week, broken by David Ornstein, we've also had another one in his Monday column, Laurie, about the idea that Manchester United are assessing their current player care. Before we go any further, what does that actually mean? It's a department that looks after player care. (laughs) I knew that was coming. Thank you for that. (laughs) I I think um, clubs have got a duty when players are coming in, especially players from different countries, different continents. Maybe they're not familiar. Maybe they don't speak English. That When they arrive in Manchester, that they're helped. And... They have friendly faces. To be fair, United, I think United have been pretty good at it. And I could give you several anecdotes which I've got from these players. And that might be the De Silva twins coming from Brazil. And they get put into a clubhouse and they walk into the kitchen. And the kitchen isn't bare. It's full of Brazilian food. So someone at the club has had the foresight to think, what might these people like moving here from the other side of the world? Uh, I know um, other South American players have have certainly appreciated it. I know one or two who've who've been a bit lonely, and this is something that they'd never come out with. And I know of one who uh, he had more help from a Manchester City player um, who was a compatriot of his from South America. Uh, That player was Fernandinho. He was excellent with a Manchester United player. I think the club do have good intentions. They've certainly got the resources for it. The type of stories which tend to come out uh, tend to be the ones where you know the footballers don't know how to turn a tap on or you know Balotelli um he had a fire and um he actually rang Mino Raiola who advised him to call the fire brigade which is good advice which is pretty sound yeah. advice so th- th- this isn't new united have um can keep updating you know Anne Wiley is is someone who's been at the club for a long long time she's always been an important part of this but Anne's been there for a long time. People are moving on. People are retiring. And you need a slightly different skill set now. You need to speak different languages because you have players coming in um, who can often not speak any English. So it helps. And as we saw on the smile on Mrs Garnacho's face last week at Arsenal, the end result is that you get a very happy, settled family. The sun breaks into the first team. Everyone's a winner. So these reviews, um, yeah, it, it's a, it, it's something worth noting, but I don't think it's a huge deal. And, you know, when there was the story that Manchester United had brought a sports psychologist in under Ralph Rangnick, United have been working with psychologists for 20 years. It's often the way that these stories get out. It's like, finally, we're catching up. It's not really true. It's not really fair to the club. Manchester United's not a backwards football club. There's lots of good people there. And it's been run in a pretty competent way in terms of player care. 
And I speak to lots of professionals who say Manchester is a great city and Manchester United is a great football club to be a professional footballer at. They could easily say the opposite of that, but they don't. So Andy answered the what and potentially the why there, Laurie, but who are Manchester United asking to do this? Yeah, so it's um, a guy called Hugo Schechter who's going to perform a full audit and he's been involved with West Ham and Southampton beforehand so he's got experience of this so let's see what he has to say I mean it's an interesting aspect to modern football clubs because there's so many different ways that footballers can um, ask for stuff from a club that isn't that is beyond you know training or, or, or medical um, stuff you know quite a lot of the time you get players asking for pictures you know I think you you got one didn't you the other day from a certain individual asking for use of uh, one of your pictures and it, it, that is actually quite a frequent thing now with um, you know, uh, certainly with players who have you know teams around them, and, and you know um, they kind of want the the best images to put on their social media. It's a good feeds. picture, Laurie. What can it, I say? You know, you're an artist. I, I, your eye for it is, is spectacular. Um, this is Alejandro Garnacho, a very a very good picture that you took of him. And they they, they kind of get in. I remember at Leicester, you know, covering them, and that season when they won the title, and the player care officer there was was very close to the players, and, and would kind of make sure that they had. They didn't want for anything, you know, in terms of you know, maybe tickets for certain events. You know, you'd know somebody that could sort them out. Things like that, really, that kind of just make, make that they can just concentrate on the football, really, I suppose. It might sound like pampering them or it might sound like, you know, you, you, you're doing too much for them. But at the same time, if it ultimately means performance on the pitch in the right way, then it's a good thing. Yeah, I remember one of the former Manchester City player care specialists, um, one of the first people who did this job in the country, Lyashi who um, went from running the newsagents across the road from Main Road to the head of their player care department over quite a long time, to be fair, telling me a story about being called to uh, one of the players' houses on Christmas Day night by one of the players' wives. Uh, said player was at the team hotel preparing for their Boxing Day fixture. And the problem that she had was that the television wasn't working. Uh, and when he got there, he found that it wasn't plugged in. So um, there is a lot of specialist expertise needed for these type of roles these days, definitely. Okay, that's it then for the podcast tonight. Thank you for listening to Talk of the Devils. As always, we're bidding farewell to Old Trafford for another season in Premier League action. But of course, Manchester United are playing there next week in the FA Youth Cup. We'll be back on Thursday to preview the trip to Brighton. But just before we go... Um, we'd like to wish our colleague Jay Harris a very happy birthday. The Athletics Brentford writer spent the night covering Manchester United beating his team in the rain in Manchester. What better way to spend your birthday? Happy birthday, Jay. And if you'd like to wish Jay a happy birthday, feel free to do it. Uh, you can do it on the real-time section of the Athletic app if you are indeed a subscriber to the Athletic. And before we go, I should mention that there is, of course, an offer. Don't forget, you can subscribe to the Athletic for just £1 a month for the first six months. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash Pod. But that's it for now. Thank you for listening again, and we'll see you on the next one. Bye-bye. Athletic.